Welcome to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. In this podcast, we interview researchers who are finding and telling the stories of individual World War II fallen heroes. Today, I have Rona Simmons with me. Can you take a minute and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your interest in World War II? I'm Rona Simmons, and I'm happy to be here this afternoon to talk with you about my involvement with the uh, Stories Behind the Stars project. I am a World War II author and historian and have been interested in World War II my, and I will say my entire life. I, my father was a World War II veteran. Um, he was a P-38 pilot in World War II flying out of North Africa as a bomber escort into Italy and um, Sicily. So I guess I come by it honestly. And he survived uh, the war and lived until he was 97. So we had a, a long time to learn about his stories, even though like most veterans, he didn't start talking about it till late in life. And I got him to tell me his stories. So that um, prompted my interest. And at the time, while I had written other books, mostly historical fiction, they weren't necessarily about World War II. And I began thinking there was a way to honor not only his service, but other people's service. So I ended up writing uh, a book about World War II, a veteran who was an artist and painted scenes of World War II. And after that, I got hooked on the idea and started interviewing veterans that I just met um, by word of mouth or uh, actually at veteran events and connected with them and decided to tell the stories of a certain group of World War II veterans, that is veterans who were not involved on the front line, who didn't fire their guns or um, serve in a tank or on a, in a fighter plane like my father, but the people whose stories weren't often told or really almost never told. So I decided they needed to have their stories told as well. And I ended up interviewing 19 and uh, put them as the basis of the book I wrote called The Other Veterans of World War II, Stories from Behind the Front Lines. So that, and just about the time I think it came out in April, 2020, because I'm constantly on the internet, I think I tripped across the site and saw what Don had started and what he was doing about telling stories, not necessarily of people like I had done who were not on the front lines, but any of our soldiers who had fallen during the war. So I was intrigued by that. And he and I uh, got to talking and I said, I'm, I'm there, I'm on it and joined the group. Uh, so it's been almost a year now. You wrote this book and it was finished in April of 2020. So are the vet veterans you interviewed still alive? Well, that's and that's a lot of the reason why I, I did it, of course, knowing the dwindling numbers of uh, World War II veterans out there. Um, and that's what's motivated Don as well. Um, when I started interviewing the veterans, it was 2017. And the numbers that I found were that at that time, there were 1.7 million living World War II veterans out of the 16 million that served in the war. But I, everyone knew the, the numbers were coming down. And by the time I finished the book, um, two and a half years later, there were only 450,000 still living. 
So that was at the end of 2019. And the expectation were, uh, was, of course, that we would be facing an, an even stronger decline. And the predictions are that by the end of this year, there will be less than 250,000. So they were disappearing before our eyes, and which was another motivation. The last time we'd be able to hear from them was now, uh, the, the firsthand stories. When I began the interviews, I found these 19 veterans. Some of them were deceased, and I, I uh, researched their stories or talked to their sons or daughters who had their memoirs, journals, photos, uh, anything. Um, some had artifacts, things they brought home from the war. And uh, there were, out of the 19, there were 12 that were living. The best part was to certainly to talk and sit across the table from a World War II veteran rather than read about the story through research. And um, which is of course what we're doing with the Stories Behind the Stars project. But uh, so of the 12, um, unfortunately, um, there are now only four of those original 12 who are living. Now they're great people. Um, I treasure each one of them. They've become great friends. We talk all the time. So it was more than just the book and, and telling their story, although they were all very grateful. They, they're, you could, when you sit down across from a veteran and you ask them to tell their story, and especially these veterans who, because they thought, well, I didn't do anything special. I, I was just a, I was a cook or I was a medic or um, one woman was with the Navy um, Waves. She was in the first class of Navy Waves and she's 102 now. So, um, but she remembers everything. Most of them, surprisingly, I mean, I can't, I can hardly remember yesterday. <laughs> so when I sat down with them, they'd say, oh, I can't remember really. And then we'd, we'd start talking and I'd, I'd keep feeding them maybe well, that was about when such and such happened or such and such occurred. And they said, oh yes. And, and the memories started flooding back. So surprisingly, there, once they got going and they might look at a picture or look at a photo album they had or a journal and the, the memories just came flooding back and spilled out. So um, they were delighted to be able to find somebody who was interested in hearing their stories. And so it was, it was a great, it was as rewarding for me as it was for them, I think, uh, to finally have someone, a chance to tell their side of the story. So if someone wanted to read your book, where could they find it? Well, just about anywhere, of course. Um, it is available online um, through Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any of the other online bookstores. Uh, it's also available pretty much at uh, any local bookstore can order it for you if they don't carry it. Um, again, it's the other veterans of World War II, and it's um, uh, so online, in bookstores, or on order. That's awesome. I'll put a link to um, in the in the description so they can they can find that. So now that you've finished that book, where has your research taken you in the last year since 2020? Well, of course, uh, once you're hooked, um, there's <laughs> there's always another story. And thank goodness that there's a, a lot of interest in World War II. I'm, I'm finding it, uh, you know, somebody will say, uh, if you look at the number of World War II books that come out every year, it seems like there are dozens and dozens, probably hundreds, I haven't counted, but um, so many come out each year. There's a different angle all the time. And that was um, when I began to write the first book, I was encouraged um, and, and knew that in order to find a readership, 
you had to tell something new. You, you, you know, there's so many stories out there already of the, the aces, the heroes, the, the Memphis Bell, um, the, the, the untold, untold numbers of stories already uh, in books, on film. So in order to find a new audience, you've got to have a different angle. And that was why the other veterans, uh, those behind the lines, had, had not been told before. But even, um, I always say, Tom Brokaw's famous book, um, The Greatest Generation, which spawned the name that became, became applied to these people. Uh, there were a few stories in his book, and he told, uh, I think, over 50 stories. Um, there were very few that were people who were not on the front lines, so I was happy to find a different angle. So since then, I have written a second book. It probably won't be out till 2022. But uh, again, I tried to find another angle. And this time, it was uh, essentially my father-in-law's story. So this is the story of my father-in-law, who was a B-17 bomber pilot in World War II, flying out of England over into uh, as far as Berlin, Munich, um, all of the very, very... Um, uh, dangerous missions and um, we didn't have much to go on I, and I think that's why I enjoy doing writing about World War II is because of the ability to do the research and in his case because he left us only a couple of very grainy old pictures of him in uniform and um, his medal a distinguished flying cross and a sheet of uh, his missions and a list of his crew and that was it that's all we knew and so we started looking for his crew and to see if any of them had survived. And this was several years ago now, but we just started by keying in their names and found, ended up finding uh, two of the men and one of the widows of his crewmen. So we were able to talk to them to fill in a few of the bank blanks and uh, the rest of it was done just purely going online, looking at his mission, finding out where it started, where it ended, what dates they were. And from a date, you might find what battle it was. So you were able to, to add a little bit of color, as, as they say, behind the story. So that was uh, that led to the book. And as I said, I can't tell you what made it different, but I'll have to make you read the book to find out his story and why it was different. But that... Um, that it required a lot of research, like the first book did. Even the first book, when you're talking to a veteran and they're in their eight, late 80s or 90s, and you ask them to tell them about what they did, and you can't just take their word for it because their memories are a little bit cloudy, and or they might remember it a little more um, exaggerated than it might have been. So every time you did an interview, you had to go back and research the facts to make sure that um, what they were saying was exactly right or the dates were correct. Um, and they didn't often stray, but sometimes it just it needed a little more, uh, again, color to fill out the story. So both of those required a lot of research. And uh, I think um, I always tell people research is my middle name. If you need research, you can just call me. <laughs> I'll look it up for you or go find. So that's kind of what attracted me when um, I got connected with the stories behind the stars. I said, well, this this is right up my alley. I can I can do some research, and um, it's something I love, and it feeds. I might trip on something and and working on a a story for uh, the fallen, and find information about an event that I might 
be looking um, to include somewhere else or for some, some other event. So um, lately you've been working on some articles for the newspaper. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what you've been writing that way? Sure. Um, in working for the project, um, I have um, occasionally we, we found an event was coming up, um, whether it's and now we're sitting here just a couple of weeks from Memorial Day. And um, so that's a big event of D-Day. It's another big event, of course, in the war, VE Day, VJ Day. And each of these make you start thinking about what exactly happened on that day and who was involved in, in some of the major battles or the major events. And so uh, last year, about this time, we were thinking about the uh, USS Indianapolis, which was the ship, if people don't know, that was made famous in the movie Jaws. Um, of course, that's what our generation thinks of when you say USS Indianapolis, it was, this, it was the ship that was torpedoed and the men went into the water in the Pacific and um, many were attacked by sharks and killed or drowned or were burned in the explosions. So uh, there were very, very few survivors. And so there, we knew there were quite a number of the fallen for this project that we could research. And um, I live in Georgia, so uh, we were I was talking with Don and we decided that maybe I could work on the the survivors, well, the fallen and the survivors and understand how many were there from Georgia. Because I had no idea. We only knew that uh, there were quite a number of people who didn't survive. So I ended up finding out that there were 12 uh, Georgians on the US Indianapolis who went into the water or presumably went into the water when it was sunk. And I found that five survived. And so knowing that most people probably wouldn't even know the day the U.S. and Indianapolis went under or when it was attacked or other than what they might have seen in the movie, that it would be interesting to try to put it into an article and get it into the paper to raise people's awareness. So that's what I did. I wrote an article um, and did the research, did the profiles for stories behind the stars of the five that, um, well, the 12 that were on the ship, of course, in the uh, on the stories behind the stars, it's just the seven who died. But I also was able to do the, the part, profiles of the five that survived as well. And uh, wrote the article and it was published in um, a couple of the newspapers because what I tried to do is take each gentleman who perished and send to the newspaper that covered their hometown. So they would have an article and, and they, I mean, they ate it up. They were like, oh, this is wonderful. What, there's a connection for our small little town. So that was um, one we did on the USS Indianapolis. So I've written uh, an article again, this time uh, about the fallen on Memorial Day. With Memorial Day just a couple of weeks away, I knew Don was saying, well, let's um, try to profile men who uh, were born a hundred years ago on Memorial Day. Well, I, I did find one from Georgia who was born on Memorial Day, but there was so little information about him other than his name and, you know, of course, the day he died, or the day he was born and the day he died. And so I went back to Don, I said, this isn't going to make a newspaper or really be enough of interest to attract someone. So I said, how about, because as I was doing the research, I found that three Georgians had died, died on Memorial Day, not were born on Memorial Day. One, um, 
1943, one on 1944, and one in 1945. So I thought that that actually makes a good story to me. And uh, so I profiled all three of them. And like I think anyone who's working on the project, you you go down this alley and you try to find something about where they were buried, how many brothers or sisters they had, or uncles or cousins, was anybody else in the family in the war? And there was so very little inf information again. We forget that these were 20-year-old boys who went off to war. And while we're so used to having photographs, and you know, every one of us probably now with your smartphones have thousands of photographs of us, that wasn't the case back then. And it's almost rare to be able to find someone's photograph. And you just, when you're researching, you might find again, the facts about them. But I, in a, in a, a little bit of a story, but to me that what brings it home is that photograph. So you, I, I mean, you, you search high and low to find something. And uh, unfortunately there was only one of the three who died on Memorial Day that I could find his picture, but I, that was enough. I said, hey, I've got, I've got a photo here. So. I wrote the article trying to uh, remind people what Memorial Day is about. And, um, and a lot of people kind of mix up Memorial Day and Veterans Day and think they're the same. And we're looking at the fallen, which is what Memorial Day is about and remembering those men and women who died in service. So this is, this is a way to say, all right, we've got these three men and um, all these three young men gave their life, but it meant something to a family that makes Memorial Day something even more um, special, another reason to commemorate the fallen. Those three families not only have the all of the veterans who served uh, and fell to thank on Memorial Day, but they had a son or a brother um, who perished at a very young age. And so giving them a a name, a date, a hometown, their family life, who they were, what they did, and, and luckily for one, at least a photograph. And that, that always makes my day when I find the photo. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of crazy to think about how many don't have photos and, and um, you know, maybe they do. I, I remember uh, I was talking to someone who said that they had put together some of these stories and then because they had done the stories, people had actually had found them online. And then they're like, hey, we actually have the photo of this, you know? So I think the more we get out there, the more data we're putting together out there, then hopefully we'll, these photos in shoeboxes somewhere or somewhat will start, you know, showing up, hopefully. One of the men I researched, um, you, I had no photos from him and then I found one and it was a photo of him as a child. And he's this little boy with, you know, little, little, I won't say crew cut, but little tiny cut short, very, very short hair. And he's sitting on a chair dressed up, of course, because having a photo taken back then was a very special event, even though he wasn't dressed up, his eyes were big as dollars. And he was sitting there with a big smile on his face. And I said, that's, it was a lovely little photo of a child. And that's the only thing we have to remember this 20 year old guy who went off to war. Um, so one question I really like to ask researchers is how do you feel like this project has changed your perspective or changed you? It's in, it's actually inspired me. Um, I thought I might do a few here or there and help out and we, we'd be done in short order. 
And then you start thinking about how 400,000, I think it brings to life the magnitude of the war because you can research and I try to do several each week, um, but you know, two or three and I, I do that. And I think, wow, I've really accomplished something. And I, the other day, Don sent me notes and we have 7,000. And here we've been working at it for a year. And I said, 7,000. I and mean, we have so far to go. Now, granted, we've gotten a lot more volunteers. And I started when the group was really quite small. So I'm glad we have over a thousand volunteers, but even if a thousand people do two or three or so, we're still so far from getting this done. Um, so I think it brings home just how big a number 400,000 is. And um, while I also, I also think it, it um, as you do one or two or three, you just feel compelled to keep going, to do another one. <laughs> I think sometimes I go, wait a minute, I have to cook dinner or I have to go do this or do that or do something for the book I have. And I'm like, well, maybe I can just fit one more in because you realize what an uphill battle we have. So I think that's it. Um, it, it just reminds me of all the men that, that sacrificed so much. Yeah, I think that's kind of a common theme of it just makes it so personal opposed to like, you know, you read about a battle like D-Day and and you're like you're you see, you know, saving Private Ryan and you see all these videos or whatever. And it's this big, huge project. And then you're like doing one man's name who died on the beaches of D-Day. And it, it changes everything because, right. you know, you get to know his name and his family and his hometown and the things he liked doing. And then that was all taken away on that big battle. Right. Where he was just mm -hmm. one of 2000. Mm -hmm. um, but it just gives so much perspective that. I think we lose sight of because the number's so big. It's just so big. And so I think that's really beautiful though, that it's, it's like, that's kind of a common thing too, of it's just like people want to keep doing more and more and more because it's just kind of addicting. <laughs> it is addicting. Yes. Someone told me, it's like, Don created a monster. I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad to know there's other people out there because sometimes I go, Gosh, I don't know. I, I'll do one more. I'll do one more. And I just say, you know, you've got to stop. There's something else. But you know. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Well, I think um, it's, it's um, one thing I'd say is, of course, we appreciate all the help. I, 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 I like to read other people's stories and they help me see maybe another side. Um, I also think there are so many sites out there that I wasn't aware of when I started. Um, of course, Ancestry.com, Fold3, we know about those, Find a Grave, we know about those, and Honor States. But as I research, I end up finding another group that's uh, writing stories, or, or at least they have stories about individuals. Now, it might be a particular uh, unit in the army or navy whatever who has a roster of the people that served in that group and they may have pictures or at least group photos part of the interesting thing is it expands what you know because you might know these common sites as i said ancestry.com etc but then you're on a, a, a military unit site and you're looking at their stories and that leads you to another site and so every time I trip on one, I find 
oh my gosh, here are a hundred men or a thousand men. Now they may not all be profiled, but it's another source of information. So I try to get that back to Don or to the group and say, here's another site that has stories. And I think we're, while we have our own repository, I think we're pulling together lists of other places that are going to be valuable to people who are just doing maybe not the fallen stories, but they're trying to do some research and they may not be aware of those stories. I, I think that's, it's been intriguing to me because it opens up just another avenue. And as I said, since I'm addicted to research, I go, I'm very happy to find a new site and pass it on and help others. Oh, I love that because um, there's so much information on the internet that can make this job just so much smoother, you know, and if we can find it, pull it together and, and help each other. I think the Facebook group is such a valuable resource for the researchers to get on and, and to, I've seen some amazing work where someone be like, I'm stuck, help. And then it's like within a matter of hours, they'd get answers to their questions from other researchers and having those resources every, available is a big part of the success, I think, of the project. So I think also uh, maybe one last point was, um, as you say, connecting with someone else doing this. Uh, Someone might read one of my stories or I might read one of someone else's stories and either you might be asking for help or you might be just saying, I read your story and I really like this uh, angle you put in or I see how you've written a story. And so we're connecting and that's kind of interesting because you realize there's some other people out there. You're not just as one lone person sitting in a small town in Georgia writing a story. There are now what over a thousand of us out there doing exactly that. And I, I think that's been fun to connect with others who are addicted to research, who love World War II and who want to honor our veterans or, uh, and our, our soldiers who fell. I think it'd be so cool to have a big, huge, like gathering convention when this is done and maybe, right. you know, in DC or someplace, you know, and just get all the, the researchers together to just talk about all the fun things we've discovered and done and be really, really cool. That, that would be very good. I mean, maybe we can only do it on Zoom, or, <laughs> but maybe we can try to find a, you know, concentrated group who have one in each state or something that we can all come together in. So. That would be really fun. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with me tonight. I really appreciate it and sharing your experiences with us and doing all this research. Um, I'll put a link in the description to your, to your book and a couple of profiles you've done on full three and, and thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, you, you're, you're the glue holding us all together and uh, you've been very supportive and helpful in uh, smoothing over some kinks <laughs> that we're all finding, but I appreciate it. And I appreciate everyone involved in the project. Thank you for listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. We're so grateful you're here with us today. If you like this content, please consider subscribing. Please consider donating on storiesbehindthestars.org or even better yet, volunteering to help write these stories. We're so grateful for all of our many volunteers who are making this project happen. And if you have a story you think needs to be on this podcast, contact us at contactstoriesbehindthestars.org.